What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Spilt Milk Podcast. This show is all about sharing uh, all true, strange, funny, uh, just interesting stories from around the world. I'm Jerry James, joined by my co-host, Obi. What up? We got Benny D behind the keys. We're here in Vancouver, British Columbia at the California Suite. And uh, I'm feeling pretty good, man. It's locked down, you know? Yeah, I'm chilling. We're having a good time. We've been reading up on uh, our good buddy here, Otto Warmbier. Otto Warmbier is a 22-year-old college student from Cincinnati, Ohio, who uh, decided to take a trip to the last forbidden nation on this planet, North Korea. Unfortunately, that would end up being Otto's last trip. We're going to discuss the life of Otto, the events leading up to his incarceration, and how he was finally returned home, although not exactly in the uh, in the same state he left in. Ben, cue it up. Otto Warmbier was born in Cincinnati, Ohio on December 12th, 1994. That's the same year I was born. I think that's why this story kind of hits home to me because at 22, uh, I wasn't on trial against North Korea. I was fucking, I don't know, I was sitting home ripping bongs, ripping fucking farts, like just having a good time. So I I can only imagine what this kid went through. Uh, Otto is a gifted student. He even earned the title of a salutatorian at his high school graduation. He made a heartfelt speech there and, uh, after high school, went on to study at the University of Virginia. He was pursuing a double major in commerce and economics. Otto was no stranger to studying abroad. He had already done a foreign exchange program at the London School of Economics, minoring in global sustainability. He was on his way to another foreign study abroad program in Hong Kong when he decided to visit North Korea on the way. Otto was popular, incredibly smart, and on his way to having a very successful future. Unfortunately, that was all taken away from him in an instant. Yeah, Otto learned about this uh, travel company called Young Pioneers. They're a you know a tour company that specializes in tours of taboo places. Their motto was even uh, tours of destinations your mother would rather you stay away from. So on December 29th of 2015, Otto boarded a plane in Beijing, destination Pyongyang. He embarked on a five-day New Year tour of the country with 10 other U.S. citizens. They spend the day touring uh, Kim the S- Kim Il Sung Square, interacting with locals and sightseeing. They went. They then went out for drinks on the town. That kind of surprised me that they're out like drinking in North Korea. They even went to a bar that uh, apparently was home with a fifty cent pint, which I can see getting out of hand crazy well, quick. Well, that's how they North Korea likes it. They like having their little controlled spaces where they allow people to see things and um, yeah, but getting messed up on pints. That's not the place that I want to be drunk. Yeah, but, uh, you know, if I was there and I was young, maybe I would be doing it. Yeah, young pioneers, uh, the tour guides are also known to take part in the partying. They've come under a lot of flack for not exactly being responsible caregivers. And uh, when they return to the famous Yangakto Hotel, uh, that's where they continue drinking even more. Now we meet the mysterious fifth floor of the hotel. Absolutely off limits to any visitors. And they seem to make that quite clear to everyone. And almost, it was just like, you know, it was just like hanging a, court, a carrot in front of a horse. You yeah. expect these young kids not to go and check this out. Exactly. Like, I'm terrified of North Korea. I never want to go there. 
But if I was there and you filled me up and with like 50 30, pints. yeah, like 30, 50 cent pints, and you tell me, hey, Jared, you can't do this, chances are I'm gonna, I'm gonna at least fucking try to do that thing. Yeah, and um, clearly it was a place for, you know, um, surveillance and bugging the whole hotel, keeping watch on everyone. And uh, now there is a mysterious, there is a footage of the mysterious fifth floor. It's not taken by Otto or his travel group, but it does give us a look into this place. It was darkly lit, looked like there were some kind of offices, but the eerie part was all the propaganda paintings that covered the walls. Yeah, floor to ceiling, there was propaganda murals, you know, praising the might of Korea. Uh, one mural even had a bomb on it with USA painted on the bomb, and it read on the bottom, Revenge a hundred times to American wolves. Now everyone says that Otto's crimes was committed on the fifth floor, but Otto confessed to it taking place in a staff-only area on the second floor. But as we were going to see later on, Otto's confession didn't sound exactly genuine. Yeah, no, not at all, to be honest. it's uh, We'll go into the confession here pretty quick, but it sounds incredibly fishy. Um, but yeah, as far as the rest of Otto's trip goes, nothing too exciting. He even made it all the way to the airport. And as he was waiting in line for security with his tour group, he was tapped on the shoulder by two Korean officials who instructed him to, you know, hey, follow us. Uh, Danny Bratton, who was Otto's roommate at the time, made the joke, well, I guess that's the last we'll see of you, which Otto, you know, simply chuckled to and uh, followed the Koreans to the back room. And uh, those were words, they rang more true than I guess anyone was hoping, because that really was the last time anyone saw Otto. We eventually do end up getting to see Otto, but it was on national television. And he supposedly, you know, is genuine about these crimes that he confessed to against the state. Now, we haven't mentioned exactly what Otto was accused of yet. And if you haven't heard this story before, you're probably imagining something horrific or gruesome. But Otto didn't kill anyone. He didn't commit a sexual assault. He wasn't planting a bomb, nor was he bugging Korean phone lines. Probably already bugged, but yeah, he wasn't up to anything nefarious like that. Danny Braddon even says that uh, the guy who made the the joke, he he thinks that uh, Otto was set up. Yeah, well, it's hard to say. I don't know if they would set up a college student from the beginning, but definitely after the time, by the time he was arrested, then yeah, this whole thing turns into a clear, clear setup. Um, so I guess, yeah, it's time to figure out what Otto is accused of. He was accused of removing a poster from a wall with a picture of Kim Jong on it and, and placing it on the ground. Due to it being a poster praising their emperor, such an act was considered just as bad, if not worse, than mur murder. CCTV footage shows a dark, grainy, unidentifiable figure removing a poster off a wall and placing it directly on the ground in front of where it was hung. So, like... They're saying that Otto was trying to steal this poster. He took it off the wall and kind of noticed it was too big to take home with him. So he just put it on the floor. Um, but it does seem a little weird because why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just put it back on the wall where it was? You mm -hmm. know where you are. You know what these people are capable of. Um, if you watch the footage too, it looks kind of odd how quickly they take it off the wall and just put it right onto the floor. It almost does look deliberate. Um, yeah, it's hard to say, but it, it is a very, very odd thing. Anyways, the officials were 100% convinced that this was Otto. Oh, and another really creepy thing is when the rest of the tour group boarded the plane, one of the officials got on the plane and told the tour group Otto had suddenly became ill and needed medical attention, so he would be staying behind. It's fucking terrifying. You can only imagine what's like being on that plane, just knowing like 20 minutes ago you're hanging out with Otto, 
He was totally fine. He wasn't sick at all. But just not being able to say a fucking word, you know, just like not even protest about it. Yeah, no. For the first six weeks, Otto was detained. The only reason the Korean Central News Agency would give was committing a hostile act against the state without giving any further details. Finally, on March 16th, 2016, Otto was put on trial for his alleged crimes. Otto's trial lasted only one hour as he confessed. He was sentenced to 15 years of hard labor. 15 years in a Korean work camp. It's, it's a terrifying charge. It's, that seemed like a lifetime. So, his confession, you can see the whole thing on YouTube. It's really interesting. Actually, I urge you to watch it. Um, you're going to see just how incredibly unnatural it is, the way it's worded and what he talks about. It's so out of the realm of possibility. I think that there's no way it wasn't forced. Uh, he says stuff like, uh, the quote is, The task was given to me by the Friendship Methodist Church at the encouragement of the Z Society and the connivance of the United States Administration. I came to commit these crimes. He claims that the aim of his crime was to hurt the motivation and the work ethic of the Korean people while spreading Western ideologies. Uh, he even gives like a pretty detailed story of his friend's mother, who is you know, part of this Friendship Methodist Church, and told him she would pay him $200,000 to commit the act. Uh, he brings up time and time again in this confession that his family's going through insane you know, financial hardships, and he was pretty much forced into this act to to save his family. But um, in reality, I don't think it had anything to do with any American church, any Z society. For those who don't know, that's a, um, what do you call it? It's not a frat. It, it's a society, I guess. It's part of the you know University of Western Virginia. And uh, if you're, you know, if you're introduced into the society, you pretty much always go on to be wealthy. All these people are, you know, they're involved in politics, religion. So honestly, someone that maybe would set up a conspiracy, but I seriously doubt they sent Otto to steal a, a poster thinking that that would really end the Korean regime. Um, you know, a couple uh, during his during his um, confession, a couple of reporters are ask, asking him, hey, did you prepare at all for this crime? Did you do any training? Uh, he claims that he stole a bunch of street signs back in the U.S. and hoarded them at his house in, you know, preparation to become a great sign stealer. Uh, he even brings up on multiple occasions, he brings up the pack that he brought his quietest pair of boots and that he wore his quietest boots, which I don't know what the fuck quiet boots are. I guess they're made of, maybe they're slippers or something. Plus three in dexterity. <laughs> it's a plus three index. Yeah, exactly. So a Chinese reporter at the press conference even asked him if he was in any way persuaded to make his confession, but Otto replied that his treatment in North Korea, you know, had been nothing but top notch, even being allowed to stay in a, a sweet style guest house. But of course it all seemed prepared. I'm sure he was in a little box somewhere. I don't think he was living the best life. We're going to find out exactly what happened to Otto here pretty quick. But first, a word from our sponsors. This episode of the Spilt Milk Podcast is brought to you by Chris. Listen, Megan, it's me. It's your boo-boo bear. Uh, you know, you haven't been answering my calls lately. Uh, kind of seems like your phone's been off for a little while, so I don't know what's going on. But uh, So I took out the sad space, hoping you hear it. Uh, please, fuck, please call me. And li listen, if you've been talking to your brother, don't listen to him. He's a fucking liar, okay? So is your dad. Listen, Megan, don't fucking listen to him. Just call me. Please, just call me. 
And that's our 30-second ad sponsor for today. Thank you. We'll bring you back to this Built Milk Podcast. Otto spent 16 months in prison before being shipped home in a coma and dying six days later. Korea claimed it was from botulism, and he went into the coma after taking a sleeping pill. Yeah, doctors in America, they found no signs of botulism or anything when they did his uh, his autopsy. But also, spending 16 months in a hospital bed can, you know, the human body can, you know, overcome a lot of stuff in that time. So it's really hard to say uh, exactly what happened. But he was pretty much in a, a state of induced, or uh, what was it called? Unresponsive, unresponsive wakefulness. Yeah, an unre- a state of unresponsive wakefulness. So his eyes were open. He seemed awake, but he, he showed no signs of understanding language, any motor function whatsoever. He was missing um, massive parts of brain tissue as well. Yeah, he had severe brain damage. There's parts of his brain that were pretty much just rotted completely away. And they also somehow found uh, scars over his foot. Yeah, 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 he had weird feet injuries too, right? Yeah, it's like they was he was, you know, getting tortured. You know? Yeah. Most likely he was being tortured, you know, pressed for information. Um, it seems like they, the Koreans, made up this story about the Methodist church, but it seems that they also kind of believed their own lie in a way. Like, I'm sure they were getting him to confess to things that just weren't true whatsoever. And then uh, after all this, the Koreans actually had the audacity to charge America with a $2 million medical bill. Saying, hey, like, we took care of your boy for a year and a half here. So and he seemed the to bucks? die after, six days after, he, you know, he was given back to you guys. Yeah, they, they actually did blame America in an interview. And they said, hey, you're supposed to be the best country in the world for medicine. You're the ones who let him die. But uh, honestly, we didn't really let him die. Uh, seeing the state he was in after six days, the parents decided to pull his feeding tube, which probably the hardest decision anyone is ever going to have to make in their lives. But... Uh, it's a sad, but pr- probably, you know, the best for him because there was zero chance of him recovering with that also, much brain tissue missing. Also, they said on the first day when he was back, he didn't seem like himself yelling like an animal. And then after a day, he seemed more at peace and he like he knew he was back home. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of this story. Um, I guess we started off on a pretty sad note, but it's a, you know, a story that's interested me for a while. Just... I can't imagine being in his shoes. Um, thanks for tuning in to the first episode. But we're not quite done yet because we noticed in quarantine, you know, my host over here, OB, our sound editor, uh, Benny, they're gaining the pounds. They're sitting around too much on their fucking asses. They're getting fat. So we're doing a weight loss challenge. You want to you wanna let them know what the stakes are? Um, I'm going to be giving up the vice smoking cigarettes and... Um... Ben's going to be giving up smoking weed. So whoever loses the least amount of weight is going to give up their favorite vice for, uh, what is it, a month? Yes, sir. All right, we're doing a whole month. We're going to do the first weigh-in here. We're going first with OB. He's going to weigh in Add. We're going to do a drum roll. 220. Fuck sakes. (laughs) All right. Now, Ben. Benny D, get on the scale. All right. Drum roll. 210? 210. 210. Holy shit, on the dot, hey? Okay. Tune in next week. We're going to find out, uh, well, we're going to find out who lost more weight, but I believe the competition is going until July? June. June June 1st. Then we're going to see who's going to be the crankiest bitch in this household because someone's not going to be smoking or drinking. All right, guys, we're going to play you out every episode with uh, some of our favorite bands. 
uh, all local bands. If you're in a band, a rap group, if you're a singer, an artist, send in your stuff. And uh, hey, maybe we'll play it at the end of the show. This is by our friends Washers off their uh, new album, Oak Hill. The song's called Man Leash. Mm-hmm. 